This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. Ricky Widmer here along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back in Brandon. You have a you have a good holiday break, a good Christmas weekend. Oh, Ricky, it's been really nice, very relaxing. Uh, plenty of good stuff that I that I got from mom and dad and family and friends and lots of chocolate and and plenty to just get fat. You know, in all honesty, plenty to just get fat. Uh, that's that's basically. Um, that's how it went, but it's all delicious. Well, and that's usually you? what the holidays is, right? Just good good times with good family and getting fed off of good food and good chocolate. But I hope you guys enjoyed your holiday weekend and your Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. And we've got a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking some Grayson Allen. We're going to be looking at the semifinal games in the college football playoff. And you might be thinking to yourself, guys, you sound a little different. That is because Brandon is at home. But we thought that, hey, you know what? We are still going to bring you the primetime podcast as originated with myself and Brandon. But we're going to get into it, Brandon, and start with this Grayson Allen story. Because this was one where Dave and Sean of the Fast Break, Dave actually texted us in our Fast Break message and was like, we got to talk about this, this Grayson Allen thing. And I was like, you know what? We I, Let me ask Brandon, see if he wants to talk about it, because I know that this was a story that you might have wanted to get in on, and Brandon texted me back and said, it's ours, we're taking it. So if you are joining us from the Fast Break podcast coming over, here it is. And Brandon, the thing I just got to start and ask you with on this one is after it happened, and Grayson Allen tripped now his third player since the beginning of last season, what was your immediate thought after hearing he had done it again? Disappointment, in all honesty. Uh, complete disappointment from a a really, really good player um, on a really, really good team. And I think that that's, that's the first thing that I think probably went through most people's minds because this is something that, again, like you had mentioned, he had done this two times last season. And he had, he had come out and he had, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry. He said, that's not me. That's not my game. That's not my style. And then to do this again, it's just a poor lapse in judgment of something that doesn't need to happen. I mean, he, he didn't, in any situation, he didn't need to do it. And in all situations, he couldn't even hide it. He wasn't even good at hiding it. It was blatantly there. I, I just think this last one, I mean, it certainly set him over the edge as his, his little rant. I, I mean, some people call it a tantrum. I, I, I say he was just emotional. I wouldn't say it was a tantrum. He was upset. Um, but, you know, that was, was spread all over social media. And I, I think he is not making a good name for himself right now. And I don't think that that's what, what Duke basketball wants for him. I don't think that that's what head coach Mike Krzyzewski wants for him. That's certainly not what Grayson Allen wants for himself. So I, I think that he has a little growing up to do uh, in, in this sense and in this part of his game. He's a really good player. I, I think that he is the best player on Duke's team, but he does not have the sound mentality of a star player, especially when you look forward to the NBA. So disappointment, Ricky, was the first thing that came to mind with me when I heard about this and when I saw this. Well, and for me, the first time I heard about it was actually the first time I had saw it as well as I believe I was watching, uh, I think it was the SVP Sports Center where they had it on repeat that entire night. And I'm just, I'm watching it going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that this would happen yet again to this same player. And this one was, I mean, we talked about the first two that happened last year, and you could see that they were obviously deliberate. You see this one where it's basically he just gets beat by his guy, and then as the Elon player Santa Ana is coming around him, he just throws up his leg, and this one wasn't really a trip to me. This looked like almost a 
I'm going to put my leg up and kind of softly kick the back of your knee in order to really get you to fall. And my first thought was I was, I was angry at the entire Duke organization or the Duke basketball program more, more closely coach K the night it happened because it happens. We see the trip. We see the temper tantrum where um, John Schleier, great Duke player, Illinois alum, assistant coach, was trying to kind of just uh, just kind of get him to hush down. And uh, after the game, Coach K was like, "Hey, you know what? He it was basically oh, he did what he was supposed to do. He apologized for it, and we're gonna move on." And the night of, I was sitting there, and I agreed with Scott Van Pelt. They brought on all the other basketball analysis. Jay Billis talked about it, and I agreed with them. That was unacceptable. Just to say, well, you know what? He apologized for it. That's good enough. I was furious, but then I will be honest. The next morning, I listened to Dan Patrick, and he had Coach K on, and that anger kind of went away because in my mind, Coach K made the right decision. He said, hey, you know what? I watched the tape of it all after it happened, after I went home last night. He's like, I was dealing with the refs. I didn't even see the temper tantrum he had. We can't have that. He's suspended indefinitely. So this, to me, the suspension by Duke is a good thing, not just for, oh, you know what, Grayson Allen, he he tripped a guy. This is the third time. Get him off the court. I kind of agree with some of the analysts on ESPN on their college basketball game day where maybe you need to suspend him to get him away from the basketball court to get him help because maybe, just maybe, Grayson Allen might have some anger issues that he needs to deal with. Well, he definitely could. And, Ricky, I think that uh, I agree with you in what you're saying with, with Coach K. I think that Coach K, he, he, he would, did not know that Grayson Allen had had um, his little blow-up on the bench. He said if he would have seen that, he would have never let him go back in in the second half. Mm-hmm. And he said that seeing him at play in the second half, he looked like a complete ghost. He didn't look like himself out there. He, he really wasn't He really wasn't helpful. Basically, is what he's saying is he was worthless out there on the floor in the second half. He should have never let him go out there. He did not start him, but he did let him play in the second half. And I think that what Coach K is doing by suspending him is protecting him from him. And I think that that is the biggest thing right now for Grayson Allen is he has got to figure it out with what is going on, because this is something that has continued, that has festered, that people have seen it on the national stage, and it has been blown up. The first one, okay, that's not good, but, you know, we can get past it. We can move on. The second one, people were absolutely up in arms could not believe it they didn't do anything no suspension the third one that's bad if you have not learned your lesson by the third one that is bad and what Grayson Allen is doing is it's like he's trying to play street ball in some of these situations like anything goes there's no reps call your own foul and that's not working out well for him. I think that he really needs to find his mental game. That's the problem right now for him is that he just doesn't have it mentally. And that is going to hurt him. It's going to hurt the team. I, I think that right now Coach K said that he doesn't know if it's going to be a suspension for one day, two weeks. He goes, I haven't decided yet. I don't know what's best for him. And I don't know if I don't think it, I certainly don't think it's going to be a one game suspension. I well, think that we're looking at, at, at multiple games here. And the thing I kind of think about is when you were saying, it's kind of like he's playing street ball. I'm going to go with a different analogy. I'm going to go. He looks like the kid that is playing basketball with his buddies in the backyard and things aren't going your way. And, your shot's not falling, and the guy who you're defending is going right past you. So what do you do? You get angry and frustrated, and then you try to do something like trip the guy or blatantly foul them because you're playing street ball and there's no refs, and you can 
kind of do that. That's what it's like to me. Put that kid in any situation. He got frustrated, and he let his frustration take over him, basically. But, yeah, it, a little bit like street ball, too. Like I said, he was kicking. It looked like he was kicking the back of the Elon Santa Ana, his back of his kneecap. But I agree with you, Brandon. This has to, It has to be a suspension that kind of takes a few games, takes a few days to sit in. And there's an article on ESPN that I'm going to link down below. I advise everyone read it because I love Jay Williams. I think he's a great guy. He went to Duke. He wrote an article for, like, basically what's his advice to Grayson Allen. And one of the things he mentions in this article is, you like, now that you got time to sit and think, you can literally just sit there and think about everything and think what you need to do to learn from this mistake. And that's the most important thing. And the thing I was thinking about with Grayson Allen is his kind of path to stardom. Of course, everyone's is different, but his is, I would say, a little bit unique because his freshman year, nobody knows about him basically until the last game of the season when he had that tremendous game against, um, I want to say it was um, Wisconsin in the championship game. Then his sophomore year, which was last year, kind of becomes the face of that team, and we already kind of see like, okay, there's two tripping incidences to where at the end of that year he was going to be a late first-round pick in the NBA draft, but decided to come back for his junior season. Now, in his junior season, almost halfway done with it, we kind of see more and more, you can call them character issues, you can call them character flaws, you can call it just his maturity. A lot of things are kind of sorting to unravel, basically that we didn't know because he wasn't that first number one recruit coming into Duke to be the starter. He was basically a bench guy that nobody knew about his freshman year, but one big game kind of catapulted him into the kind of stardom, especially at Duke. Absolutely, and I think that people are certainly seeing him now, but, I mean, you look at a year ago, he was averaging 21 points a game. This year, it's down to 16 points a game. He's been dealing with a foot problem. He's been Now he's going to be dealing with this issue. Uh, things are not looking great for Grayson Allen this season. And the season, I feel, Ricky, has just begun mm -hmm. um, because they haven't even really gotten into ACC play yet. Uh, but I think that it is, it's time for him to really turn it around um, in his game, and it's time for him to turn it around in his actions. Uh, because I don't believe that this is how Grayson Allen is. I, I think that he will... I think that he will be able to turn it around, but if he does not, I think that that's going to be, I won't say take a blow, but I'll say that it'll put a hit on his, on where he's going to be uh, come draft time for the NBA. And I want to ask you about that, but before I get into that question, I just want to bring up one thing. The ACC slate for Duke starts this Saturday. Of course, I'm sorry, Duke fans, I will not be watching your game against my Virginia Tech Hokies because I will be getting ready for the college football playoff games, basically, going on that day, especially the semifinal games going on. So they start Saturday, and they have basically, to me, three cupcake games. Well, Virginia Tech might not be the cupcakiest of games, but basically Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech are the three games that they play in the opposite order of which I said them. The thing that will be most interesting to see if Grayson Allen returns by that January 10th game against and on the road in Tallahassee against number 20th Florida State because they got Florida State on the 10th and then Louisville on the road at the 14th. It will be interesting to see how that suspension plays out into those games. But I will ask you now, Brandon, the whole title of this segment, if you're watching it on YouTube, is... This suspension with Grayson Allen, how does it hurt his draft stock? Ricky, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's going to hurt it all that much. 
And the reason why I say that is because he's done a couple of things that are questionable, certainly, but he's a good player and he has a lot of talent. And no matter what people want to say, he is the star of that Duke Blue Devil team. But take a look at the NBA. You can't tell me that those types of things don't live in the NBA. I mean, Draymond Green got suspended last season, one, because I don't think they wanted the Warriors to win, but two, because I I think that, take a look. I mean, he had too many incidents, uh, you know, kicking guys in the uh, nether region. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had some issues of his own, but Draymond Green is an extremely talented player. The Warriors are very happy and lucky to have him. I mean, he was a big part of their run last season. So I don't think that really there's going to be a whole lot of general managers out there that say, I don't really want him. They're going to take that talent. They're going to take the talent over what's maybe morphing into a character issue, but possibly not. I mean, their incidences, three of them, that have two last year and one this season. But I think that if he can clean that up, people can't forget about it. This isn't like Joe Mixon. This is not Joe Mixon. This is not Joe Mixon in any sense of, of that situation, not even close. This is not good, but this is not terrible. It's not the end of the world for Grayson Allen. I think he can save it, especially if he comes out, if he can shake the foot injury. That's the biggest thing for me. Can he shake the foot injury? Mm-hmm. If he cannot, I think that's the thing that's going to hurt his draft stock the most. He needs to be healthy. He needs to get healthy. He needs to get mentally sound. He needs to start putting up points close to his average of last season at 21 again, this season at 16. So I don't think that this is going to hurt his draft stock a whole lot. I really don't see it, Ricky. I think that he's going to end up, I don't want to say coming out smelling like a rose, but I think he's going to end up being just fine and have himself a nice NBA career. I'm going to be on the other side. I'm going to say it is going to hurt his draft stock, but it's going to be. You always say well, that. You always want to say. You well, always play GM and say, did, did he did he just look at somebody wrong? He is dropping three spots already. Well, and the reason why I say that, yes, I think it will hurt his draft stock is because last year, if I looked at them, I went through the mock drafts real quickly right now that our own Sean Anderson had. and. Up until the 2.0 one was the one where it last had Allen. Everyone after that, he decided he was coming back to college. But in his 2.0 mock draft, the last one that saw Grayson Allen, he was going 25th overall to the Los Angeles Clippers. And the one thing that you look at is that was off of the average that you were talking about, that 21 and there around points per game. So if he's, let's say for the sake of argument, he gets back to that kind of average, could he go 25? Of course he could, but I just see him fall a little bit, and here's the reason why. Most of those teams that you're going to get from 25 to 30 in the first round are going to be your your better teams. Out of the five last year, or the six I should say, because you count the 25th pick, four of them were high playoff teams, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Clippers. It would have been Cleveland and OKC, but they had traded those picks to the 76ers and the Suns. So what I'm thinking is the teams that are, if we think of the same place that he was last year, 25 to 30, and we think of the teams that will probably be there, better teams who already have a playoff pedigree and some who have probably won a championship because the last overall pick is usually the champion. I think Grayson Allen at this point is a second round pick, maybe early second round pick at the best. And the reason why is the, the character issue of this suspension. And of course it all comes down to what he's learned from it. What kind of a player he is after he comes back from the suspension. Can he a show that he's learned from his mistakes and never do it again? And two, can he do what Brandon said? Get his average back up to that 21 and be the player that he was last year. Those are two things that he needs to do to get back up to it. But I kind of think of, I was reading more of Coach Calipari's book as I was driving to my cousin's house for uh, Christmas yesterday, 
And there's a chapter where he talks about red flags and he goes in recruiting for him. If there's a, there's a kid that has a red flag, like for him, respect, disrespect. If he doesn't respect his mom, doesn't respect his um, dad, he'll just write him off the list. You know what? I can't work with that. And the reason why is coach Cal says, you got to understand that you can change behavior, but those instilled values like respect He's like, I don't got time for that, basically. I only got a year with these kids at, at most sometimes. I ain't got time to bring that into my team, maybe corrupt my team while I think I can save this kid. So if I'm going to relate that to Grayson Allen, there are going to be teams in that late 25 to 30 that are going to say, you know what, I don't need to save this kid because... I've got a team that can get to the playoffs and I'm trying to build a champion. But there could be a team. There could be a team, maybe like the Brooklyn Nets or like the Phoenix Suns that are that kind of lower team that's like, you know what, this kid's got talent. We can save him. His character issues don't mean that much. So that's the only thing that could make him a first-round pick in my eyes right now is if there's a team like Phoenix was last year at 28. And they're like, you know what, let's take a flyer on him. Otherwise, I think at this point he's a second-round pick. And it's it goes both ways. It's because of the suspension and because of Brandon, like you said, his average just in his play just isn't at the same level that it was last year. But before we move on, is there any kind of last thoughts that you have with the Grayson Allen thing, maybe even a rebuttal to the big the big kind of explanation that I just labeled out? Well, Ricky, one, I have to say, uh, John Calipari had a really nice interview on the Fox News channel with Bill O'Reilly. I don't know if you were able to catch that or not. He did, I did an not. excellent job. Um, I thought he was great. I know you would have loved it right when I saw that he was on. Uh, I, uh, I, thought, I thought of you because I know you would have really enjoyed it, but uh, he was <laughs> outstanding as he always is. And number two, I disagree. I think that if there's going to be any drop in Grayson Allen's draft stock, I think it's going to be if he can't be if he's not healthy. Um, I think that again, like I said, dealing with some uh, foot injuries this season, if he can't shake that by season's end, no no team wants uh, a player or, you know with that's a, a possibly a quote unquote damage good because they can't stay healthy or because they're injured. I think that if he can shake that, if he can get back to where he was last season in terms of production, he's going to be fine. I'm telling you, if he can come back and he can have a clean record the rest of the season, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. It's not like he beat up a woman. It's not like he robbed a store. It's not like he stole crab legs. It's not like he got up in front of his student union and started yelling vile things. It's not something like that not even close, not even close. And look at how we talked about those people Mm -hmm. and look at how we talked about their possible draft stock coming down. It didn't happen in one case and it may not in another. So this is just tripping. This is just tripping. And I say just tripping and I use it a little loosely because it's still wrong. It's still wrong. It, it doesn't show good sportsmanship, which is what is something that is definitely held high in college athletics, certainly. But I still think if he can get back to the production where he was last season, and if he can stay healthy the rest of the year, Grayson Allen's going to have a good spot in the NBA draft. Well, and that's why I want to reiterate when I'm saying he's falling, I mean that's right now. Whatever happens when he comes back, this is exactly like you said. It's different than especially the Joe Mixon case where, I mean, yeah, it's not good to show the emotion that you had. I hope that Grayson Allen gets help if he needs it while he's out and not on the basketball court, but this is not a death sentence for Grayson Allen and his draft stock. But this is where you guys come in. Of course, we've given our thoughts, but this is always a conversation with you guys, whether you have downloaded the podcast off of Blog Talk Radio or are listening on YouTube. Let us know either on Twitter or in the comments section what you guys think 
of what we just talked about with Grayson Allen. We're going to move on, though, into our football semifinals, and we're going to start with, to some might be the biggest blowout of the college football playoff. For others, it might be the biggest upset in college football history is how uh, is how Sean Anderson put it yesterday, which I immediately kind of quashed that because I know he meant college football playoff, not college football, because really we've had D2 teams that have beaten D1 teams that have been bigger upsets. But Brandon, coming into this semifinal matchup, the number four Washington Huskies, number one Alabama Crimson Tide, I'll be... I'll be frank. Is there any way the Huskies can win this game and complete an upset over Alabama? Yes, of course there's a way, Ricky. There's a will by the Huskies. So where <laughs> there's a will, there's a way, right? That was extremely corny. But, uh, yes, I, there's, a, there's an opportunity for them to be able to do it. So you have to remember. You have to remember that the Huskies had a, well, what I would say, pretty simple Pac-12 schedule this season. They're, they're, the loss that they had came to, of course, USC, who was number nine at the time. They ended up being very good, USC. When they played Alabama in their first three weeks, they were not good at all. But Washington played only two close games all year. Seven-point wins in both. They were on the road. They blew out ten opponents. They blew out ten opponents, and they have held their teams that they've played to under 20 points in eight different games this season. Now, Alabama puts up way more than 20 points. And this defense for the Huskies, it's going to have to be very good. And they're going to have a lot to handle because we're talking good wide receivers from Alabama. We're talking a slew of running backs with the number one running back being Jalen Hurts, who also acts as the quarterback. So Jalen Hurts, if they cannot stop him in the run, they're going to have a real long day. And they're going to have a lot of points put up against them. But if they can stop him in the run and limit him in the pass, the Huskies do have an opportunity. I will give that to them. They have a good defense. They have a very good offense. But that very good offense in Jake Browning has not gone up against the Alabama defense. The Alabama defense, and I think I've said this before, is going to be the best defense that this Husky team has seen all season long, and it may be the best team that this Husky team ever sees, period. Well, and to me, the one thing that I'm thinking about coming into this game is, of course, you looked at it for Washington's defense, like with them against Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is the X factor for this Alabama offense because he's a guy coming in. He wasn't even the starter. He can hurt you with his arm or his legs. To me, I'm looking at that Washington offense, and I'm thinking the thing that has to happen for them to – possibly be in, I'm just going to say be in the game because you got to be in the game before you can beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's where my mindset is going. If we look at Alabama's defense this year, which, which has possibly been the best defensive front that we have seen at Alabama. Like last year it was, oh, Derrick Henry. He's running so great because he's got a great offensive line. This year, it's, wow, this is the best defensive unit, best defensive front seven that Nick Saban's probably ever had at Alabama. And when I look at their rushing yards given up per game, 63.4 yards per game by this Alabama Crimson Tide defense. And to me, that is astounding. And when I look at a guy like Miles Gaskin, who has over 1,000 yards this season, I'm looking at that sophomore running back, and I'm saying, buddy, you better be on your A game because if he is not on his A game and Gaskin can't get going against this Alabama front seven, Washington's just going to force to become one-dimensional through Jake Browning, and that's exactly where Alabama wants you. They want to force you 
to become one-dimensional so that they can just sit back on the pass and eat you alive all day on offense. Absolutely, and I think that Alabama, they have proven to do that, though, this season. I mean, when you take a look at a lot of the games that they've played in, with probably the closest game, points-wise, being the game that they played against Ole Miss, Ole Miss was able to drive on that Alabama defense, but that's because they had an excellent quarterback. Also, in this situation, Washington has an excellent quarterback. I, I think that Alabama, though, that game against Ole Miss earlier, much earlier in the season for Alabama in the fall, at the beginning of the fall, I believe. This is a game where Alabama's defense, I think, each each week got better and better and stronger and stronger. And then, of course, that LSU game where they gave up zero points and won in a 10 nothing game. I don't think that that's going to happen in this game. I think we're going to see some points put up on the board especially by Alabama, but I think that Washington has an opportunity if Jake Browning can come and play how Jake Browning has played this season. I mean, 40 touchdowns. The guy has been incredible. He's been really good, and let's not take anything away from him at all because he has gotten the job done. And in Washington, a team that, Ricky, I, I think we're on the same page. This was not a team that we were looking at early in the season or even – in the preseason where we thought Washington would, would make a run or even be near this point. And Washington wasn't on my radar. I don't think it was on yours either. Oh, no. I, the I Pac-12 Pac to me was nowhere near the college football playoff. And the Pac-12, in all honesty, I don't think, really got near the college football playoff until the, until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. When Washington continued to go on their run, they showed that they didn't want to lose. They ended up losing that game to USC, but then USC started to, to you know, get good and turn into what they really were for the season, which was a pretty good top team. But what Washington did is they took care of business, and that's what they were, were able to prove that they could take care of business when they needed to. And they beat Utah. They beat Washington State. They beat Colorado. The closest game being the game against Utah. I think that Washington here knows that they're a huge, huge underdog. No one expects them to win, except maybe Sean Anderson, I think, has some 0.1% he believes that they might win. But everyone else, they do not expect anything from Washington. And that's, I think, when the team is scariest. And I think that that's why Washington could pose that threat. But on the other side, I've tried, since I'm the Alabama fan, <laughs> I've tried to do everything I could to be fair to Washington. And I mm -hmm. think that I was. But now let's be realistic. Alabama is going to crush them and Alabama is going to get turnovers. They're going to do what they've done all season long. Jalen hurts when he has turned the football over and he's done it a couple of times this season, Alabama's defense has always been able to hold their ground on the other side. That's why those turnovers don't turn to points for the other team. Alabama's offense has been outstanding. Jalen Hurts has been outstanding. It has been a good season for Alabama. But when you look at them, you also look at their defense. How can you not? Especially that defensive front for the Crimson Tide. I don't think Washington has the, the talent that Alabama does on the offensive line. It's going to be a struggle, I think, protecting Jake Browning. I don't think he's going to be able to have the success that he's had throughout the season. But that's why they play the game. And it's going to be a good one come Saturday night. Well, and the one thing I want to look at is the big thing for me in this game. And by the way, I love when you do that. I love when Brandon goes, now you know what? I looked at the other side. I gave you guys props. But here's really what's going to happen. And he really lets out what Brandon Swanson is thinking <laughs> deep down. And I love when you do that, Swanee. But to me, the other thing I'm looking at, and of course, these were different Alabama teams, but I look back to this is the third year 
that Alabama has been in a playoff game, in a semifinal game. And they are overall in playoff games slash championships. They are two and one. Their only loss coming to Ohio State back in 2014 when we first had the college football playoff. And to me, you look at each game and what was the other team able to do that won? They were able to run the ball. And I know what you're saying, but Ricky, those were different Alabama teams. This Alabama team has the best defensive front seven. You said it just moments ago. But really, teams that are able to run the ball against Alabama find a way to win. How do they do this? They do it easily. When you run the ball, you're ticking time off that clock. You're using more of the play clock. Time of possession is in your favor. What are you doing by doing all of this? A, you're tiring out that defense, and B, you're keeping that that Lane Kiffin offense on the sideline. And that's what Washington needs to do. They need to have long, methodical drives with some explosive plays. They have Miles Gaskin. He's going to be, to me, the key player in this game because I look back at their three college football playoff games, one being the national championship last year. You look at... Ohio State, the only team to beat them, they ran for a total of 281 yards and two tutties, an average of 6.7 yards per carry, with Zeke leading the way with 11.5 yards per carry and three uh, 230 yards. But then you look at the other two, Michigan State, they only had 29 yards rushing against this team. And then Clemson, they almost beat them last year, and that's because they had 145, most of which coming from Deshaun Watson. So if you want to beat this team, you have to have a strong run game. Look why LSU was never able to beat Alabama with Leonard Fournette because he never got going against the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's how you beat this Crimson Tide team. You run the ball, keep the offense on the sideline, and then put up. you got to put up points at the end of your drives. You can't just have these long drives go for naught. Absolutely, I agree, and I think that another thing at the end that I want to bring up is Nick Saban. Nick Saban is one of the best college football minds, Mm -hmm. and he does not let people outsmart him. Just take a look at all the people who have come and tried to beat him, former former assistants. Mm -hmm. Former assistants are 0-10 against Nick Saban. Even the people that coached with him can't beat him. Nick Saban does not let people outsmart him. They will not outsmart him in this game. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why they're so dangerous. Well, and before we move on, we are going to, of course, this is a discussion for you guys. Let us know down below what you guys think of this game. If you download the podcast from Blog Talk Radio or listening through that route, let us know on Twitter what you are thinking about this semifinal game, let us know either on Twitter or the comment section on YouTube. We got to move on, though, Brandon, into our last our last game. And this one, to me, when we were trying to come up with a title for this on YouTube, I will be honest, could not come up with one. Because to me, this game between Ohio State and Clemson, this to me, I'm thinking it could be A, the best bowl game that we see this season, it's going to be a slugfest between both these teams because Ohio State, we've seen what they can do this year with JT Barrett and Samuels and just that defense that they have, especially in that Michigan game. But then there's Clemson, where they've kind of been down this year, although they only have one loss to a good pit team. We've kind of, we, I've kind of ragged on Clemson a lot this year, especially for their slow start. Haven't seen the exact same season from Deshaun Watson that we saw a year ago. I'm just going to throw this out there for you. What are your thoughts coming into this semifinal game between Ohio State and Clemson? I'm thinking it's got to be better than Clemson, Oklahoma, right? (laughs) Well, let's pray and hope so. That's what I'm thinking. But I, I think that when I look at this game, I look at defense. That's automatically where I go. I think a lot of people probably want to take a look at offense, but I think that in this one, you've got to go defensive because 
I think that offensively they they're pretty they're pretty well matched up. I, I think that that's why you have to look to the defensive side. I think you have to look to the defensive line. Who is going to have and who's going to be able to put more pressure on the opposing quarterback? And I think that one of the things that you take a look at, when you take a look at the Ohio State Buckeyes, they have gone, in the last couple of years, they have each year gone down in sacks. Each year they've gone down in sacks. And in 2014, the Buckeyes recorded 45 sacks. 2015, 38 sacks. And this year, just 26. So their ability to get to the quarterback in the last couple of years, not that great. I mean, you look back in 2014, and what was 2014 is when, you know, they did it. Mm -hmm. They did it. And they had... 45 sacks they were able to get to the quarterback they were able to be successful in pressuring the QB Clemson has faced four defenses ranked in the top 20 in total sacks this season Florida State Boston College Pitt and Wake Forest and I don't think that Ohio State is going to have tremendous success getting to Deshaun Watson I think that they may have more success being able to shut down or limit the running game with Clemson. And I think that Deshaun Watson will still be able to have success hanging back in the pocket because I don't think that that front line for Clemson is going to get barreled down by the defensive line of Ohio State. I, I think when you take a look at, at Clemson, I feel like they have more depth, size, those are things that I think are going to give Clemson the edge defensively. And I think that that's something we look at. Look at that game. You have to go back and look at the game that Ohio State played against Penn State. They played at Penn State in that offensive line. I've gone back to this multiple times this season. That offensive line for Ohio State, it just, it's, it's like they were letting the floodgates open. And the defense, of the Nittany Lions was breaking right through on crucial plays for the Buckeyes. And JT Barrett had no time at all. He was getting sacked. He was being hurt. He was throwing the football away. And ultimately, who lost that game? The Buckeyes. I think that Clemson could do much of the same in the game this weekend. I, I think that you got to watch out for the Clemson Tigers. Well, and I mean, I can I can see that because Clemson, the one thing that their defense has done this year is get after the quarterback. But to flip it around to the other side with Ohio State, they got to get after Deshaun Watson, who this year Clemson. I don't know if it's whether Deshaun Watson or this offensive line is just so much better. They've only given up fourteen sacks this year, which is not a lot of sacks. So this could be to me a very defensive, battle-minded game, which if I'm looking at it between the coaches, I don't know about you, Brandon, but if it's going to be a slugfest, defensive-minded, just kind of, I'm going to say blue-collar kind of a game, I am giving my, my tip of the hat and kind of my advantage over to Urban Meyer than Dabo Sweeney. Like, it. What do you think? If it's a defensive battle game, which coach do you think has the better advantage in this one, Urban or Dabo? I'm going Urban. I'm going I'm going with Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. The Tigers have 46 sacks on the season, which ranks second nationally. I think that if Ohio State cannot get things going on the offensive side with the offensive line, the edge clearly has to go to Clemson. And for, if for nothing else, for the example that I gave with Penn State, I think that when you look at something like that and then you look at the team in Clemson that has the second most sacks on the season with 46, you can't possibly then give the edge on the other side to Ohio State. And you may, you may 
be able to say Ohio State because the Buckeyes are allowing just 117 rush yards per game on the season, which is huge. That is a big stat for them. That is a big shutdown for them defensively. But they're showing that they can't get to the quarterback. And I think that if you give Deshaun Watson enough time, in his own words, he is the best quarterback in all of college football. So when you give the best quarterback in all of college football, according to Deshaun Watson, (laughs) that much time, then you may have some problems. So I have to give it to Clemson. I know Brandon's sitting there saying, according to Deshaun Watson, because some would say the best quarterback in college football plays for the Crimson Tide. Others who are sitting on my side of the table might say that the best quarterback in college football took home the Heisman, but that's besides the point. We digress here on the primetime podcast. This game, and then others would say, others would say the best quarterback is Chad Kelly, but I think Chad <laughs> Kelly is the only one saying that. Or uh, Cad Kelly, as uh, Sean Anderson of the Fast Break would call him. But this game, to me, is gonna it's gonna go out two ways in my mind. It's either gonna be a defensive slugfest, like I said, which I'm kind of hoping for. I want a close game that comes down to the wire where. There's not a lot of points being scored. I know that a lot of people are like, wow, Ricky, that's very boring because there's no offense. But that is what I'm hoping for, a close game, defensive game, much like we saw with Michigan-Ohio State. Or it could be on the other side where uh, both defenses can't stop anything and it's just the JT Barrett versus Deshaun Watson show. And it's like 45-42 to or like 52-48 to and it's just a huge blowout in the end of it. If I had to put my kind of finger on this one, I think that we are going to get a defensive battle. I think that Clemson's going to set the tone defensively early, and then it's going to turn into what kind of uh, situations and what changes can Ohio State make, and that's going to be the big thing, I think, in this game is what changes can Ohio State make in this one? Because I think that Clemson's going to come in and their main mindset is going to be, hey, let's try to make this team a little bit uneasy. Let's try to kind of knock them out of their shoes on this first drive of the game. Ricky, I think that when I take a look at this game, when I really look at this game and I look on the offensive side, because we've talked to defense a little bit here, the thing that worries me, and this may, you know, this brings defense into it actually a little bit, is that what we've seen from Clemson is that, and multiple times throughout this season, they can get out to a nice lead, but it's not safe. It is not safe. Look at the game that they played against Virginia Tech at the end of the season. They were up handily, and they ended up winning what, 42 to 35? Mm-hmm. They let teams back in. The game against Pitt, they let Pitt back in. So if Ohio State goes down by a score, multiple scores, don't think that you're down and out because Clemson has been very generous this season. And right now it is the season of giving in the spirit of giving Clemson may be given back some points because that's what we've seen this season with Clemson. They have not held the lead. They're, they have struggled to close out a game. And even again, when that win against Virginia Tech, they won the game, but not comfortable, not comfortably, not at all. So I think that that's another thing that Ohio State could have going in their favor. Well, and the thing for me in this one, this is going to be, I think this is going to be the best bowl game of the two college football playoff games. I think it's going to be closest. I think that this is going to be the one where the lead can change, especially because of what you said, Brandon. Clemson gets out to leads this season, and then they kind of take that foot off the gas pedal a little bit instead of keeping that foot right on the neck of the opponent that they are facing. But before we wrap everything up, before we get to Swanee's final thoughts, is there anything with this game that we did not touch that we need to? Not that I can think of, my friend. I think we got it. Okay, well, with that, it's time to go into it. Swanee, Christmas season's over, but this is the first one, last one of 
2016, actually. What's Swanee's final thoughts? Well, what I have to say is that I think it's been a very good 2016. I think it's been a really good 2016, at least uh, coming from the perspective of the Primetime Podcast. I know I have had a whole lot of fun, Ricky. I hope you have as well. And all of all of you, our fans, our listeners, our viewers, our, our loyal patrons, I think that it has been a really good time, and we hope that you have had a blast as well and that you continue to be with us through the new year into 2017 and beyond because we are looking to continue to grow and grow and be able to bring out more content for you all. And I think that in 2016, we did a great job. We've gotten to 4,000. We're over 4,000. I just got to say thank you um, to everyone who is a part of this channel, MVP Network. Uh, We're all working really hard here to be able to continue to do good things for you and to expand and to do even more good things and get even more creative. I think that that's going to make the presentation and the quality that much better for you, the fans, the listeners who you deserve that. If you're going to be a subscriber to us, if you're going to be loyal to us, you deserve good quality each and every time and creativity from us. And that's what we are continuing to try and do. So thank you for a successful 2016. And I know Ricky and I are looking forward to a very successful 2017 as well. Enjoy the bowl, the rest of the bowl season, and hopefully two very good games on Saturday. Well, Brandon basically did my job for me. Thank you guys for a great 2016. Like Brandon said, cannot wait. Cannot wait to give you guys more and better content in the years to come, starting with 2017. want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Primetime Podcast. Make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Those are down in the description, but you can follow us at Ricky Widmer, young underscore swan 19, and at Most Valuable Cut Pod. Also, make sure to support us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. Thank you guys again for listening. It was a great 2016. We'll see you in the new year. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.